guys, this is it. Don't get scared now. It's the Nesson After Hours podcast presented by People's United Bank. I'm Amber Salazzi, and she's Sealy Godwin. We hold down the fort on Nesson After Hours, so we decide to take our talents here to a podcast so we can talk more because we know you want to hear more about what we think about all sorts of stuff. Ain't that right, Seals? Oh, yeah. Uh, the dogs, <laughs> your wife, my parents, all those people are food, very, cereal. very, yeah, all those great topics. No, there's, there's a lot to talk about. Um, there still, is. even in quarantine, I, I know that there's no live sports, but we are getting closer to that. And that's part of the, our discussion today will be all the updates from around the league, updates on MLB, NBA, NHL. And we have good things to look forward to already set in stone with PGA and NASCAR. We'll get to that in just a bit. Plus, Sick. we'll share our episodes, uh, our thoughts on episodes three and four of The Last Dance. Dennis Rodman, Carmen Electra, need I say more? No, you really don't. <laughs> That's all you need to say. And then, of course, we will wrap up with talking about quarantine time, story time. Cool, cool. Love it. So where do you want to start? Uh, top news of the week. So sports okay. are on the return. Obviously, the NFL held their virtual draft and all 32 teams oh, have yeah. begun yep. their virtual off-season programs as well. Um, so that was big stuff that happened throughout the week. And a lot of people have been talking about Patriots draft picks and their undrafted free agent signings. We'll get to quarterback talk in just a little bit, but some updates from around the rest of the sports world. MLB uh, could return somewhere between mid-June to early July, according to some reports reorganize the league into three divisions based mm. on regions east central west Sox in the east with their al east rivals most of the nl east minus the braves and then the pirates uh shortened season trying to get somewhere between 80 to 100 games um with probably some double headers so they'll expand the rosters yeah World that's a lot, of, the, a lot of baseball in a short amount of time, baseball right? world series at the end of november early december um, and then those three states that we've talked about playing in as possibilities would be Texas, Arizona, Florida. But your thoughts on the three divisions. Uh, how does that look for the Red Sox? Yeah, um, we had, who do we have on earlier this week? Steve Lyons, right? We asked Steve Lyons yeah. has become like more difficult because right now the way it's laid out, it would be, you know, the AL East, but then also the NL East in there, but minus the Braves plus like the Pirates for yep. whatever odd reason. And he even mentioned it does become more difficult because the NL East is, is, is a very difficult division. It's a very competitive division. Uh, so, and playing just those other nine teams for 80 to like 100 games and the playoffs would be like reworked. I don't know. I go back to what Dennis Eckersley said last night uh, on Thursday night on Ness and After Hours. He's like, I just think we're all going to get fake pumped out like 10 more times. It's exciting for me. Like, I love seeing this. I love the idea of baseball being back and sports in general being back at the end of June. But it's so much more difficult. There's so much more that goes into it. And, like, keeping players, like, you know, tested, making sure everyone's healthy, making sure no one is being exposed to the coronavirus. Uh, like, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to get too excited about it, Seals, because, yeah, I want sports back just as much as everyone, just, just as much as every league wants to be back and every player wants to be back. But, man, you just got to be realistic about it. But this is nice to see. It's nice to see that 
possibly baseball. Could be back in the end of June. Again, nothing set in stone, though, right? It's a bunch of ideas. It's a bunch of ideas that all of these leagues have in front of them, but no set in stone plan because I think it's just too early. Uh, I think the thing is with these leagues is that they got a lot of zeros, meaning they got a lot of money. So if they yeah. want to get something done, they have the funds to get it done. And if that means testing, which I think a lot of people can agree that testing is going to be key here, um, then they can figure out who's healthy, who's not. Because another thing that was brought up when it comes to the NHL, a report was talking about how even if someone tests positive, it's not going to shut everything down like it did with Rudy Gobert. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was, I was going to add, because you mentioned the NHL, uh, and then it was the report either like last night or, or, or two days ago, a few days ago, whatever it was, that they wanted to, their idea would be to have like the regular like four divisions or whatever, and it would be everyone playing in basically one arena in that division. So, uh, you know, imagine. Regionals. Every, yeah. Yes, like, yeah, regional. So like four regional locations. To which at the, at, at the time you seemed, okay, it's great. Cause they've already pushed back and delayed the 2020, 2021 to December season. for NBA and NHL. That's been the proposed idea that's out there. Yeah. And so with that idea, you already had players pushing back on it because the players do not want to spend all of these months on end in isolation and away from their family. So you already have the NHL kind of taking a few steps back now and trying to figure out, okay, well, how can we do this? I, I think it's going to be tough to find like a middle ground because you're going to have players that push back against it. Like you already had originally in baseball, they wanted to do like the Florida, the Texas, the Arizona location thing. And then you had big names like Mike Trout, Clayton Kershaw, all of these guys coming out and pushing against it. I think at some point you're going to have to give in a little bit. If you're a player, if you really want sports to come back this year, right? Yeah. I mean, you're going to see some people that, don't agree. I think that's just what happens in any big decision yeah. is that there's some that don't, but you want to get a majority that do. And for a lot of these leagues, they have to get the players association to get on board with it as well. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a lot of discussion when it comes to that, getting the two sides to, to agree on this. Um, I, I can uh, think we can all agree that we want sports back, but the biggest thing is it's safe for the players and the staff. We're not going to see fans all these discussions, all these proposed ideas, the number one thing that they all have in common is no fans. Yeah. Yeah. And even with the baseball one too, which would take you up to what you say, like player, the, the playoffs and world series up to almost Christmas that day. Like if you're lucky, you have, you have some fans in the seats there towards the end. But again, I think that's like the most optimistic mindset. I think for a lot of people is that they just want to see how the virus plays out because it's going to be up to the, to the virus and to what, your governments and your local health officials say you can and cannot do. And you're right. Are we getting a sense of false hope where if we get something started back up again, then flu season comes rolling back around. Mm -hmm. And not only are we dealing with flu, but we're dealing with COVID-19. Um, that could be awful. And what happens if you start a season just to stop it again? Um, it, it, it's a wild time to be alive in, it, in the world yeah, right now. It, it's it's scary it really is and and to your point of like being able to like you're gonna have to like test players and and these leagues having the money it, it's interesting because then i see like the report from espn last night where it's like you have the nba reportedly telling teams not to test players for covid uh 19 at least like asymptomatic players 
uh, because I think, all right, I, I agreed to where like, if you want to get the NBA back up and running, if you want to get sports back up and running, I think most people do agree that players and personnel are going to need to be tested like regularly, regularly. Right. And then, yeah, so that's I, what I see, everybody needs. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I see that memo. And then, but the fact that I think the NBA and what Adam Silver is being like super cautious about right now is that there aren't enough tests really to, to necessarily like do that. Like the NBA could do it, but I'm talking just people in general in this world. So with normal people like around the world, still like desperately trying to get tests and States, you have States like battling and, and competing against each other to acquire them as well. I think Adam Silver saying this is a horrible look for the NBA who can now start regularly testing everyone like in the league. Cause you remember, you remember, I think you just mentioned the, like the Utah Jazz. It was a PR nightmare for the league when the world found out that every member of the Utah Jazz had gotten tested following like Rudy Gobert's positive test. Like, I, and, I, and it would I be the same. Now. That. But when you're exposed to someone who does test positive, wherever you are, you're going to get a test because you were in close contact with someone who did test positive. That's part of the criteria to get tested. The NBA, they also did release a memo, I think on Wednesday the earliest they could return to their facilities to train, not to play games, not to scrimmage, not to practice. It would be May 8th um, in states and cities where the stay-at-home orders are allowed okay. to expire. So that's a week, that's a week from today. That's a week, that from, a week today. from today. Um, right. So that's another update. Uh, but NASCAR, PGA, we are in the month of May. We will see both of those sports in the month of May. NASCAR returning to Darlington. May 17th, there's four Cup Series races in the month of May, seven, including Xfinity Series races. They're all in Charlotte or Darlington, so North yeah. Carolina, South Carolina. Again, no fans. And then PGA, Charles Schwab, June 8th in Fort Worth, Texas. So June okay. 8th, also no fans. Yeah, it kind of makes, sure, makes sense for the NASCAR side with the tub being in Charlotte to where, like, all the teams can essentially travel to all of these tracks. Um, there's, I thought that, there's some I thought, sports that'll be easier to come back. There's some that it's, it's yeah. going to be damn near impossible. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you there. Golf was the one from the get-go. From the get-go, I was like, if there's going to be a sport that comes back and can actually succeed, I think it would be golf. You don't have to have fans there. It is so easy to social distance with like two or three guys and plus their caddies on a hole together. You see golf courses opening up all around the country here. You don't see like sports fields and, and, and basketball courts opening up because yes, it is very difficult with social distance playing it. Basically any other sport, any other sport besides golf, you need an individual sport like that. I think There's so many is... contact sports out there and yeah, yeah. that's, that's going to be tough. I mean, tennis and yep. golf and running, I mean, not big races, but you know, I mean, it's, there's so much, there's yeah. a lot of track and field events that I think are pretty separate. Yeah. I'm, I've been trying to think what sports could come back because you're not going to get the, the big ones. You're not. Yeah, be, because even like, even like running, if you wanted to send everyone off at once, like that's very tough. I, I, I think I saw. Space uh, them no, out. Yeah, you could space them out. Yeah, you could just like stagger them, have stagger starts and just, been, you know, base the winner off whatever individual time that person had. Yeah. I think I, I saw that there's a local a marathon around here in New England that is going to be all virtual. So I think what they're going to do is just have people pound out, pound uh, the treadmill out and you're just on video like the whole time, which that is interesting. Sense. It makes sense. Yeah, it's safe. I mean, it's just, there's going to be a very different landscape of sports 
uh, here in 2020. Obviously, I think teams are going to try their hardest to get something to start back up as it gets warmer all across the U.S., but what happens when the weather turns again? Yeah, um, I, that's all up in the air, though. Yeah, I, I do. I do like the. I do like the idea of so many sports coming back. I think people. I think people who, who have never been like true golf fans or like true NASCAR fans are, are all of are a sudden back. huge on it. Oh, they're good. It's going to be amazing, and it's it's going to be great for sports betting. It's going to be great for fantasy sports. It's just going to be good for sports in general. People are going to be sitting on their couch, crushing like cheese balls or whatever the hell quarantine snacks you're eating. And they're going to be like, wow, I've never realized how much I liked golf or NASCAR. It's almost like force feeding it, but you're going to swallow it because you just want sports right now. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to become the biggest NASCAR fan in the world. I'm just going to be yelling, turn left all the time. <laughs> turn left. Go left. Go left, Rick and Bobby. <laughs> um, here's one thing that we, we do not know is if, if there's going to be any changes to the NFL. Because oh, yeah. obviously they're the last one that's like, all right, we're holding out, we're holding out. So they haven't said anything yet. And we, uh, we're, that's really, really up in the air. And when mm -hmm. we start to get into changing college football in the NFL, that's when I think it's going to like really hit people that this is bad, man. Mm -hmm. But um, speaking of NFL, let's talk a little bit about the Patriots. Okay. When it comes to what happened in the draft, some of your thoughts on their moves that they made, the moves that they didn't make. Um, and overall, this Patriots 2020 draft class, including the undrafted free agent signings that you that you saw. Mm, yeah, the draft doesn't necessarily. I, I wouldn't categorize it as like sexy, like gets like my blood flowing. But who, who am I to question like the strategy of Bill Belichick? Although he's had, and, and we talked about it in our first episode last week here on the Nesson After Hours podcast presented by People's Internet Bank, that he's had some recent drafts that were a little questionable. A lot of these players that he's taken in these drafts have not are no longer on the team. But they needed to address defense. They did just that. No quarterback taken. I think that's the biggest storyline, yep. which to me says, okay, you have faith in Jared Stidham. Maybe you want to make him the guy moving forward. I don't know if necessarily you want to throw him into the fire near number two. And they picked up a few guys in free agency and brought them in. I don't know if that's the right, if that's the kind of competition you want for Jared Stidham. If you're, if you're asking me, you got to bring in one of these veterans available right now. Okay, so let's talk about some of those veterans. There's there's three that are still just hanging out like normal folk right now. Uh, Andy Dalton got released yesterday by the uh -huh. Bengals after nine years. Cam Newton hasn't been able to get a physical done, get try out with these teams, so they don't know his health. And then Joe Flacco, who's gonna Joe Flacco? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and you and you covered Joe Flacco in like your time in in, in Denver. If I could take a pick out of any of those three. Uh, I would. I am 100% going with Cam Newton on that. And I know the questions are going to be about yes, his health. I agree with you there. Yeah, and, and I wish oh, – that's, that's the only thing we – that and that, that's, the hurt, that's the biggest hurdle he has to jump with teams, just getting into their facilities and having a physical and having a workout and showing him that he is 100% healthy. Because to me, I look at the career. I look at Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton, who – against winning franchises in his career. It's just been absolutely terrible. And I know playing for Cincinnati and that franchise hasn't always put him in the best spot to succeed, but against like, I saw a number today, six, 26 and one in his last 33 games against teams with winning records. He's on a 10 game losing streak there. I would rather, I'd rather have Cam Newton, I'd rather have Cam Newton who a bigger personality, 
it's like it's the it's the sexiness and the idea of having this guy, a former MVP, as your quarterback. And could he could lightning, you know, strike twice here? Could he catch lightning in a bottle again and maybe give us one of those MVP type seasons if he's healthy? A guy who's been to a Super Bowl, a guy whose best receiver as well when he went to the Super Bowl that year in 2015 was Ted Ginn was Ted Ginn Jr. So he could come here and, and work with the weapons that the Patriots have and easily bring this team to relevancy. Uh, you're, you, could win a, you could win a playoff game with this guy. I don't know what to expect with Jared Stidham, but I know that I'd, I'd feel much more comfortable right now with a seasoned vet with Cam Newton under center, not to mention he's got a, he's, his fashion sense is amazing, would you say? Oh my gosh, his fashion, <laughs> fashion game is on point. It really I'll, is. I'll talk quickly about um, those two guys. Uh, Cam Newton, it's just the health. That's the one thing that I'm like, yeah. I need to make sure. But you're right. He's a guy that can come in, make a difference. Players like him in that locker room. He's a winner in the postseason. That is something Andy Dalton cannot say. Yeah. 0-4 in the postseason. One touchdown, six interceptions in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's not better than Brian Hoyer. So why would you want to bring him in if he can't even beat Hoyer out of a backup position? Cam can also – he's a dual-threat quarterback. He's great on his feet. And with what we saw with the Patriots' wide receivers and their targets last year, they weren't getting too much done. So Cam Newton can open up that game for them just by using his legs. Yeah. It just comes down to his health. Also, if he wants to come to New England, he's going to have to take a significant pay cut because they yeah. don't have a lot of cap space. No, and I think that's – I think he would approach it. I think wherever he goes next, he might say, okay – it could give me a year, maybe like two James years. Like James Winston did with the Saints. Exactly. Yes. Very good point. And, uh, you know, going back to, to Cam, I think he threw like – it was just two years ago. The guy threw like 28 touchdowns. Some people will yeah, question the wear and tear on his body because of his dual threat ability. But if the guy is healthy, imagine how much more like Josh McDaniels can open up the playbook with a guy like him under center. I mean, this is a guy that was a first – former first overall pick. Yeah. He's won national titles. He has a Heisman. This is a quarterback that had so much going for him coming into the league. It's it's mind blowing to kind of see where he's at right now. Yeah. And I want I want him to get a job. I mean, yeah. we've seen so I many other too. guys land jobs. I want him to get a job. I want him to get that second chance. So I'm I'm hoping Cam gets a job here soon. Um, I mean, Joe Flacco is probably going to get forced retired. I highly doubt he'll get signed yeah, anywhere. I know, man. I don't. I don't see anyone signing him. I really don't. And it's and Cam and Dalton both had a career of, of carrying like mediocre rosters. But yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I think Joe Flacco may have just reached the end of the road. But hey, he does so. And he, he won a Super, a Super Bowl, Bowl he, man. Yep, yep, won a Super Bowl. He got paid. You know, there, that was the funny like debate for years after that. Like, is Joe Flacco elite? <laughs> <laughs> we were having that conversation when he came to Denver. You know, um, make me vomit. They're like, hey, he won a Super Bowl. Maybe he still, still, he's still got it. Then Drew Locke is just like, yo, what's up? Yeah. I'm the hippest quarterback ever. I'm yeah. sitting on the bench rapping lyrics the whole game, and yeah. all my teammates love me, and I'm slinging touchdowns and actually giving the Broncos some wins here. So Drew Locke came out, and Drew and Joe Flacco was was Gonzo. Yeah, and then I think too, uh, if we're going to talk about one Super Bowl and you're elite, like is Trent Dilfer elite? We're going to sit here and have a debate that Trent Dilfer is an elite quarterback. Like, no. Uh, yeah. 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 That, yeah. But I, I, I do believe the Patriots know something that we don't know because they've been around Jarrett Stidham exactly. a lot more than we have. And people are like, well, 
he threw that pick six against the Jets and you know, he had a couple passes that were good in the preseason, and that's all we've seen. It's like, that's all we have seen. The Patriots have obviously oh. seen a lot more. They practiced with him every single day, basically, for the last year. So we've seen the tip of the iceberg. There's probably a lot more under there that we don't know about that has made them so confident about him. They did not draft anyone. They signed two other guys to compete for that third spot, and there hasn't been any reports of them being interested in Cam Newton or – Andy Dalton so far that I've seen. I know that they're for sure not giving any interest to Cam Newton because he's been available a lot longer. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun to see like what what ends up happening with this team, how good this team could be with with Jared Center because it was like a mass exodus, exodus even on the defensive side of the ball. But um, you know, speaking of of fun, Dennis Rodman, <laughs> Dennis Rodman, man, that was your segue. Like, yeah, but I, listen, listen, absolutely. I am the king of segues, okay? If you can't talk, speaking of fun, speaking I'm going to use that. Right, amazing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of the complete opposite of Jared Stidham, <laughs> how, about, how about Dennis Rodman here? Because it's, it's the biggest takeaway that everyone had, right, from episodes Oh, my gosh. Can we have 10 of episodes Dance. of them, please? Oh, God. You really could, Seals. You really could have 10 episodes just based on this guy's character alone. In, um, his so, character arc is beautiful everything he's had to overcome and all, like back-to-back defensive player of the year won a title with so many different teams not just the bulls i mean <laughs> his time with the bad boys and then i mean everything it, it, that, and that's not even talking about his vegas trip and getting no. married to carmen electra Oh my God. It was so funny. Like I, I and, and totally for, like forgot about that too. Cause you know, we're <laughs> so much younger in 91, yeah. obviously take me back to my glory days, but yes, the only guy I know who can go to like Phil Jackson and just be like, Hey man, like I, I need to cut loose. Like I, I got to get some stuff out of my system <laughs> and I'll be back in 48 hours. The, the biggest joke ever was thinking he would actually be back in 48 hours. Oh, didn't Jordan didn't end up stretching that? to like four days or something. Yes. <laughs> it's just uh, – and then the way they edited – the way they edited that segment as well where it was uh, – wasn't like Michael Jordan being like, yeah, and I'm not going to tell you who was in his bed when I went and knocked yep. on his door to come out. And then they cut away to Carmen Electra, and she's like, so I'm sitting there in the bed. <laughs> naked. Yeah, and naked. it's a like knock Dennis on the door, Dennis and Dennis is like, it's MJ, and I jump behind the couch with a blanket – and he tells him, I got to go. I mean, that's, that's epic. That is absolutely epic. And I wish, I, from what the director said, he was talking to some, some guys from ESPN on some uh, digital little yeah. interview I, I was able to find on Twitter. And he was talking about how much they cut out of Carmen Electra and all the things that they did. And she shared a story about how they once did a lot of fun stuff at the Bulls practice facilities and Ooh. sorry coach wink wink like Ooh. they were uh Go getting on. naughty at the <laughs> Bulls practice facility this is after all hours, over, really. Go all ahead. over the place no that she went on record and said oh, this, I love it. that I love it that she they were having sex Ooh. everywhere oh wow everywhere top and, of the key down low they, on the block Pretty much. <laughs> mid-court, mid-court love sesh. Um, hey, when you're in love, when you're young and in love, you just do it. 
I, I guess so. They they were married for less than like six months. They got married in November and were trying to get it annulled like nine days later, reconciled, and then got divorced in April. So, I mean, let's, it let's, was it was pretty quick of 1991. Or 91, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it was, no pun intended here, but let's not sleep on Madonna making her little appearance in there too. She's the one yeah. who told Rodman, be yourself. So without... Without the donut-loving Madonna, why don't I, do we have Dennis Rodman? Do we have this kind of Dennis Rodman who, who you know, always had this, this fire burning in his loins to want to just express himself? Express yourself. Yeah, she changed. She helped him for sure because that's Madonna. She's always been so confident in, in who she is um, and not caring what other people thought. So she definitely help Dennis Rodman kind of come out of his shell and just embrace himself. And I mean, he was struggling. I know he's got a lot of demons inside yeah. and she was there for him in a very crucial moment. And that definitely changed everything. I mean, the people he's dated are just wild and crazy and that just kind of fits him, but he's like the classic extroverted introvert. And the, stat, the stats they were throwing at us, too, where he had, what, six or seven career games where we had at least 20 rebounds and no points. Like That, that was a crazy like, stat, too. <laughs> it's, like, really tough to wrap your mind around. That's like me and my wife seeing men's league. I may have, like, two points, but, dude, I'm going to give you, like, 40 rebounds in the game. But that's, that was his role. He was a role player. And he stepped up big time when Scottie Pippen was out for a little bit in the beginning of that year. But, I mean, once Scotty slid back into the number two, he becomes more of a role player again. And, I mean, he was a back-to-back defensive player of the year in 90-91. And um, he would fight. He was that guy on the floor that would fight for every single ball all the time. Um, and yeah, that's just – that's who he was, and he was really damn good at it. Yeah, so it – if you could take a 48-hour vacation right now, where would you go? Oh, that's a great question. Um, Thanks. Thank, you can thank Fred, our, our producer, on this one. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I, I've been wanting to go to Europe for the last year. And oh. since I moved to Boston, I was like, wow, I can just hop over the pond and go get there. Um, so I would love to go to Europe and kind of check out a couple different countries. That would be cool. Um, but 48, obviously 48, 48, 48 hours. hours, I would love to do Paris. That'd, Look that'd be you. cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, and that, that almost is like going all the way out West too. Like when you fly West coast, you know, East coast to West coast here in the United States, it's like the same amount of time Yeah, as if you would go across the pond. Yeah. To what about, what about you? E? Yeah. I can tell you right now, I never want to go to Las Vegas again after my bachelor party seven years ago. Like I'm, just, <laughs> I'm done. I'm absolutely done. I have no need, no want, no drive to go back there. That place. I'm is glad you survived that trip. Me too. That place is absolute <laughs> hell. It was the worst hangover of my life coming back, flying back from there. And some woman trying to talk my ear off on a Southwest airline flight. And eventually I had to just turn to her and say, listen, I'm sorry. I'm just really not feeling well. I'm coming back from my bachelor party in Vegas. And she's like, Okay, yeah, no, I, I get it now. I get it. So, yeah, uh, but yeah. if I had if I had to go uh, if I had to go anywhere for forty eight hours, I'd probably go to Mexico right now. I'd probably say, all right, I'll go to a nice resort in Mexico for like two days and just drink like a bunch of margaritas. On see, on the, you're on you're up beach. in New England. I'm down in Florida, so I'm getting the good weather. Yeah, and you're you're not. So I totally understand that move. I mean, forty eight hours in this 
type of environment we're in right now where you can't be around people or 48 hours where you can be around people. That's, that's another thing I think. I, I miss it. I miss people of. so much. I miss much. people. <laughs> I, I miss I you really, all. I really do. I, yeah, dude, I miss touching all of you. You have no idea. <laughs> I miss shaking your hand. I miss, I miss hugging people. I miss laughing. That's one thing you do every time you walk in the office is you shake everybody's hands. <laughs> like a I know. Window. It's like I'm the mayor of Nesson. I'm like I'm Emerson 2020. <laughs> you know, vote vote lots, go big lots, go big lots. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's that that's probably been the toughest part of quarantine for me. And also like my wife just started working from home again, so she went like a two week stretch. But then like last week when we recorded our first episode of the podcast, like it was wrapping up another week for her at work. But this week was her first of two straight weeks again at home. And it has been interesting. This, we'll talk this... about that in quarantine time. Okay. Um, I, I do want to keep going with this last dance here. Um, when the Pistons lost, got swept in four in the Eastern Conference Finals, and they walked off and didn't shake anyone's hands. That's, that was a huge topic people were talking about. We, we, we've known the story. Uh, being in sports, but but seeing it play out again, did it change any of your, your thoughts on what happened? Do you agree with it? Do you think they did the wrong thing? No, I, listen, like, is, is it ever uh, going to be looked at highly to walk out and not shake anyone's hands after, you know, you get absolutely torched? I, I think it was just, uh, and Isaiah Thomas said the same thing, even in recent interviews, it was just that like he's never really apologized for it no and he, he just said if i could go back and do it again i probably would do it but it's like it's never like an i'm sorry because that legit is the way that he and the pistons team felt at that time you own the you've owned the bulls for like so long so long it's it's like your hated rival you guys have getting getting in these physical battles you you legit have a passion and a hate for each other they still do 30 years later you saw the way I, Michael I, Jordan Isaiah, was yeah, and Jordan for sure definitely yeah. have some some beef. I think it's more on Jordan's side than Isaiah's side. I think he's sort of like, you know, I'd like to kind of bury that and move on, but Jordan yeah. will not. That's not him. Jordan's a competitor. Like even even to this day, thirty years later, he still treats it like they're playing each other. Yeah, in like ninety and ninety one. Yeah, he, their he, excuse for not doing it, saying it was the passing of the torch because the Boston Celtics did the same thing to them other than one player dapping it up at the end, that I don't think that's a good enough excuse. Because I know that the Pistons and the Celtics, they truly, truly hated each other throughout the 80s and early 90s because they were just constantly vying for you know titles. But the Bulls were the up-and-coming kids, and yeah. they were taking over. And so the passing of the torch excuse – I, I, I get it, but I don't agree with it. And yeah. so, I mean, they, they should have just quickly, you know, shaken their hands and walked off. And it's crazy how that one moment kind of ruined – I mean, they were the bad boys. They, they loved it. So I guess that just made them more of the bad boys by not doing it. But I, I do think that the level of respect went down because you respected the bad boys up to that point for being bad boys. But after that, you were like – I don't know if I really respect them for their behaviors and when they lose. Agreed. Being, and, being even someone, and even someone, and even someone this week or last week, or it was after the comments were made about the Celtics. Uh, I remember seeing a tweet that someone with the Celtics was like, 
no, like a lot of us actually did have to get off yeah. the court that time because of security like reasons. Uh, Cause I believe people were like, they had a better excuse for why they didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. When, when really the, the Pistons have no excuse for other, other than them just being salty, like all these flavors and they choose to be salty. That's it. So, so salty. Like salt <laughs> Bay came in there and just like, yeah. instead of drip, dripping some of it on there, just ripped open a whole bag and just <laughs> doused it with just salt. Smacking that meat and just little little salt here and there you know just all, all the salt <laughs> yeah you're just cutting um, the top off and dumping it all out another cool moment from the last dance was jordan's reaction after they won in 1991 how you could see how much it meant to them when when they beat the lakers and and magic in the lakers and him crying over winning his first title it kind of looks a little bit like lebron james when he won his first title that's kind of what came to my mind um, and I mean, it's crazy to think how hard it was for them to win one. And then, you know, they go on to win six. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it, I remember leading up to that too, there was so much criticism with Jordan. Like, can he be, and it's criticism that LeBron James is almost, uh, is he a Larry bird? Is he a magic? Yeah. Yeah. Like, can he be this guy where he's one of the greatest players like of all time, but can he like rise his team? Can he lift his team up also? And, and and bring them to that championship level because he's never been able to prove that up to this point. But there was a point in that show where Jordan was like, all right, yeah, uh, it kind of clicked. And he's like, yeah, I got to start getting my teammates like more involved. And I guess I got to have that more of that team first mentality. I don't I don't think that he like- That didn't was a have huge it switch. Mm -hmm. It was a huge switch. And that's when he said, and that's when uh, Coach and all the other players and everyone else interviewed in this documentary, like you could see something change with him. And then it all changed with the team moving forward. He, he wanted, because for so long, everything was on him that he didn't realize he could alleviate some of that pressure by giving it to others and trusting mm. your teammates. Because he had Scottie Pippen. He had Dennis Rodman. Well, this was, you know, later on. But, I mean, he had the pieces there around him that he just needed to utilize them and trust them. So, I mean... It was cool to see that that switch again and you know looking back at, at this history um because again it's like when you're watching it it's it's not the first time we're watching it but it, it kind of no. feels that way because we're seeing it in such a different lens and really this is documentary is really told from michael jordan's perspective yeah it's, and i can't yeah in the, yeah in the end this is a michael jordan documentary this is this I'm is sorry. a michael jordan <laughs> documentary this isn't like a documentary of the bulls dynasty through the 90s where it's unbiased and yeah, you're hearing no. from both sides it is very biased it is, it is all michael jordan it is. <laughs> and it was this morning on the today show they had all three of his kids on there too and they were like all right did you guys have any idea about a lot of this stuff did you get like a sneak peek and they're like no we all just watched for like the first time uh didn't have any kind of information fed our way we we are learning a lot about our father as well i mean i appreciate having a guy like michael jordan who was so successful and we deem heroes as being successful, but he, he wasn't a perfect hero per se. Like he had a lot of character flaws and he was constantly getting angry at other people and making other people angry. I mean, he's not this perfect hero. And that's something I feel like we can all relate to because you mm -hmm. see Superman's and you know, uh, other superheroes and they're perfect or they have like, they're the kryptonite. They're one thing, but, but Jordan was so much more human. Yep. Yep. I agree. I agree. He's, he's... Um, uh, yeah. I'm, I mean, looking forward to the next two episodes. So episodes five and six, um, 
and getting more into, you know, their run throughout the rest of the nineties. Um, that's, that's going to be every Sunday. So amped up. Yeah. I also, I got a really random phone call from my mom yesterday and she was like, I started watching the last dance documentary. And I said, what the hell? You don't even like sports. What are you doing? She's like, she's well, bored, so man. <laughs> that's when I'm like, you are so bored, Moby. So bored. She's like, man, that one guy was just like so weird. And she was, and she was Dennis Rodman. And Kraus, the, the GM, she was like, that manager just seemed like a real big a-hole. And I'm like, yeah. That's, I he, yeah. I don't I, think I, he got along with Jordan, but I literally was sitting there listening to my mom. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. This is what we've come to. My mom is watching a sports documentary. <laughs> okay. It's uniting people, sports yeah. fans and non-sports fans alike. Also, another important point that I've heard other people bring up, Jerry Krause, he, he passed away a, a mm -hmm. couple of years ago. Yeah, so obviously, So he's, you know, there's no really, really re recent interviews with him. And people are, you know, dragging this man hard. Big time. There's some people hard. who are like, yeah, I think this was released, like, definitely after he died for a reason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they dragged him to his face, though. They, all the time anyway, but uh -huh. they are really dragging it, this man. It's Yeah, it's just a reminder, yeah, I, I think of how much people did not like him. Yeah. Um, all right, so what's the quarantine time to wrap up here, E? Uh, so, how's life? Yeah, uh, you know, everything, everything's going well. As <laughs> I mentioned a little earlier, I mean, two weeks from home working together with, like, your significant other, there, it is a challenge. It can be a challenge at times. We're like desk mates. We're sitting out there together. You know, Rufus is just like napping, doing his thing. But uh, yeah, I just want to be a dog, man. Yeah, it would be perfect to be a dog. But even I think my dog is kind of like tired of us being around the whole time. But yeah, no, my, <laughs> I mean, my wife's still telling me like, you know, good coffee in the morning for her. And then like, uh, I'm the only one who's still like walking the dog and taking the trash out. But Everything, everything is, uh, everything's fine. You're learning a lot about each other. Um, yeah. How is marriage? How, how is this? Is it impacting your marriage? No, you, no, no, I mean, no, no. negative it's, or positively? No, no, no. It, you know, it's just like every day before, except a lot more time with your, with your significant other. And, and you and I have had conversations before. My biggest struggle sometimes in these quarantines with like my mental health, it all just rides with the weather. Like yeah, like today I get that. Today it's like gray. It's a little chilly. It's it's rainy, but okay to me. It's still I still have that like Friday vibe. Like I'm stoked, you know, stoked for the podcast and stuff like that. But then like after this, it's like man, okay, then then like now what? But my wife has done a great job kind of picking me up and like sometimes where where I may be struggling because like I'm, I'm I've, I've always been that positive guy, but man, yeah. this quarantine is just a different challenge. It, it really is tough sometimes. You're way more positive than I am, and you've always been that way. Um, I like to claim that I'm a realist, but I think I can sometimes slide further back than that, being more uh -huh. pessimistic. Yeah. And for anybody out there who struggles with mental illness, you are not alone, even yeah. if you might feel that way. I feel your pain. And as long as you have people who can understand and will let you vent and you can figure out some type of regimen, some type of schedule, that's been healthy for me. That's the only thing of normalcy I can hold on to is where, okay, I wake up, I have my coffee, I might eat a little bit, I 
start looking at some sports news, preparing for the show or for the podcast, um, talking to you guys, figuring out what we're going to do for the show and doing the show, then working out and then having some free time. And I'm trying to read every day as well. I've been, I've been reading Michael Lombardi's book, nice. Gridiron Genius. I'm about halfway done with that. I, I'm giving it a great review, not just because he's my friend, but I think it's well told. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, having a schedule, I think is so key because you can't just fly by the seat of your pants during this or else you're going to have, I, I believe, a lot more bad days than good days. Yeah, yeah. Having a routine will definitely help. And like for me, sometimes I'm a, I'm a guy like I, I just need like alone time. And it's it, and, and when you're working with a significant other, and I know like you being around your parents a lot right now down in Florida, it's like sometimes I just need time to myself. So it's like yeah. you know, I, I work throughout the day, and it could be one of those situations where my wife will sit down and we'll watch like a show, or you know, we'll sit down and have dinner together, and like we'll do that. But then it's like it, me mentally, I, I still need to break away and just kind of like go for a walk by myself. Uh, take you know take Rufus for a walk or just like I said go to the coffee shop or something because that's just who I am I, I every once in a while because I have I have a I'm a big ass extrovert but I still need time to myself every once in a while I don't want to talk to anybody and I'll just yeah. shut the world off for like an hour and it feels good like I've scaled back a little bit on social media because I just I just want to like oh I just want all this stuff to go away so bad I I definitely think our next show we need to talk about social media and how it's changed us or our thoughts of it during quarantine because that's something that I I can go deep into because mm-hmm. I've pulled back as well and I find myself getting more frustrated with it when I do try to interact and you know get information out there it's I have tweets that take off that are about my father and his and him drinking Miller Lite, and then serious tweets People about love me. That stuff though, man. They love, love hearing about my dad drinking for some reason, and I don't care about my Patriots news, yeah. which is weird. But um, I mean, it's well, let's let's put that on the agenda for, okay. for next week to talk I'm about in. the changes of social media during quarantine. But Eve, uh, it was great to. Get another one under yeah. our belts. Number two, Episode baby. two of After Hours, the podcast presented by People's United Bank. We'll be back next Friday, everybody. For Irvin Lazia, I am Celie Godwin. Have a lovely weekend.